Welcome to New Life's weekly podcast. New Life is a United Methodist congregation established in 2011 in McChesney Park, Illinois. Worship is Saturday at 5.30 p.m. with events ongoing. Check us out online at www.findnewlifeumc.org and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. I'm your host, Mark Myers, pastor of New Life, as well as our sister congregation, Sherland United Methodist Church, and our cooperative on-site mission, The Paper Angel Closet. Approaching Easter, just a couple weeks away. April 16th, for those who don't have it on your calendar. So I welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We uh, are going to transition our young people. We're going to try something new when there's just a few of them here tonight, uh, as we are still kind of living into some new realities with uh, having a new landlord and uh, still not quite sure how all that's going to play out. So I'm going to try something new. As we do that, let us open our Bibles to Luke chapter 24. That's the last chapter of the Gospel of Luke. Hear these words from verse 44, words from Jesus as he speaks to his disciples after the resurrection. Then he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scripture. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that the repentance and forgiveness of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together tonight. We ask that you send your Spirit upon us. Empower us, enlighten us, allow us to truly experience your presence, be moved by your words, be regenerated for the work of your kingdom. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, all through Lent we are looking at the Apostles' Creed. We have already covered God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. We have already covered Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We've already covered the Holy Spirit. Last week we talked about the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. This week we talk about the theme of our first opening song, forgiveness. But before we do, let us recite the Apostles' Creed as we have been doing, refreshing our memory on these early doctrinal statements and beliefs of the early Christians. I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day He rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life 
everlasting. Amen. So today I want to talk about the forgiveness of sins. We say, I believe in it. (laughs) The early Christians who crafted this statement believed that it was one of the fundamental, important aspects of our faith. That not only should we believe in it, but we should, of course, practice it. In this particular instance, our belief, uh, why we believe this is important, because it impacts what we do, how we do it. So I want to ask a couple questions tonight to guide our discussion. Who needs forgiveness? Question one. Will God forgive my sins? Question two. And must I forgive others? Question three. So let's start with who needs forgiveness? Spoilers. Everyone. Let's go back. Who needs forgiveness? Particularly, we are talking about the forgiveness of So to understand what we need forgiveness of, we need to understand what sin is. That's a tough thing. And this is a tough doctrinal belief, a a tough belief statement, because the majority of people outside of the church are kind of offended by that statement. Why do I need forgiveness? What have I done that's so bad? Even Christians, right? We talk like that. Well, I'm not, I'm not a bad person. Try to do good. Try to do the right thing. I'm not as bad as, of course, other people, right? We always find an enemy. So let's talk a little bit about sin. We've talked about many times before, the Greek word for sin is hamartia, which means to miss the mark. It's an archery term. So if you are shooting at a target... That's to hit the mark. Hamartia is to miss the mark. We believe that God, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, created us in His image. Image of goodness. Image to be righteous, holy, set apart, to do good things, to assist with God, partner with God in this wonderful thing called creation. And basic definition of sin would be missing our intention. Missing what we're supposed to do. Not really living into who we are as a person. Hey, let's get a little deeper than that. In the 4th century, Ponticus, good guy, developed a list of sins to help Christians understand perhaps what they we're doing wrong. These are called the seven deadly sins. It's a great movie about that. I'm not necessarily going to suggest it. It's a little rough. They are, anybody know them all by heart? It's like the dwarfs. I always forget one. Don't remember which one. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, anger, envy, and pride. Are any of us free from all those things? Probably not. Certainly, if we look in our world, (laughs) you turn on the television, at least the shows that we watch, 
you have all of these things, right? That makes for good TV. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, anger, envy, pride. We're binge-watching a show called Revenge. It's got all that stuff. It's good TV. But you say, hey, you know, I'm not doing that bad. St. Paul had a list of virtues. So instead of thinking about the things that you haven't done right or the things you're doing wrong, maybe, hey, I'm not really doing anything wrong. Right? Are you living up to these fruits of the Spirit? These virtues? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody who's been to a buffet loses that last one, right? Things are designed to kill you. About patience. Anybody who's had kids having some rough time with the patience. John, uh, John Winters shared a, a wonderful thing he shared with his daughters. Uh, and that's that wonderful passage, you know, love is patient, love is kind. Love is kind that kind of stuff. He said, if you're looking for a potential mate, I want you to put their name in that passage. Because that's the person I want to marry you. Someone who lives into all that stuff, right? So if we look, you know, if I look at these fruits of the Spirit, is are, are these things, you know, we do a lot of, I've done a lot of funerals over the years, and, you know, I always ask families, you know, give me a word that describes your loved one. You know, hardworking, that's a good one. Family person, you often hear things like that. But are these things that people would say, you know, they're just a person of joy. No, they were a person of peace. They were kind. You hear kind a lot, right? But they were patient. And my mom is patient. They were good. They were faithful. They were gentle. And they had self-control. Right? So there's some things that, you know, hey, maybe we're not doing this or, or maybe we've done that, you know, that kind of stuff. But let's just get even more kind of general <laughs> to, really, to really emphasize the fact that we all need forgiveness. There are two types of, of kind of broad sins that come up later. Sins of commission, things we say and do and think, and that's you know seven deadly sins, right? That would fall into the sins of commission. But then there are sins of omission, things we fail to do, think, or say. So even if you're not doing any of those things, even if you have fruits of the Spirit, even, you know, you, you're following all the you know, commandments, right? There's probably still some things you're failing to do. You know, you get an urge to, hey, maybe make a phone call to a friend or you see somebody on the side of the road and you're just, man, I, I just, I have this urge to stop. You know, or, or there's someone who, who looks like they need somebody to talk to and you just, you know, I'm busy, I gotta keep walking by. Those are things we fail to do, right? Or say, or, or, or think, or we struggle. We talked about this before. You know, in tragedy, we struggle to say the right words, so sometimes we fail to do what we're supposed to do. But even more than that, we live in this we live in this world where there's a whole bunch of people making a lot of mistakes every day. And sometimes we participate in what we call system uh, systemic, excuse me, evil. You know, some of us have pensions. That's a wonderful thing if you do. And you probably had most of us probably had no control over or maybe little control over 
where that money was invested. And, and what if that investment was in child labor, right? What if that investment was in countries where people were being persecuted and exploited and probably at some point, yes. You know, the United Methodist Church tries to be very, very good at what we invest in and what we support and companies we support, you know? Well, I got, you know, craft, I remember years ago, I was asked as I was going through the, uh, going through the ordination process, do you buy Kraft mac and cheese? Well, yes, because it's delicious. I was talking to Jennifer. We made homemade mac and cheese because it's better for you. I was like, how can that little packet of orange powder taste better than two pounds of actual cheese? That's what I put in our mac and cheese. How, can, how is that possible? I don't know. It's probably illegal. But you know who owns Kraft? Philip Morris. You know what they make? So I, I was asked, you know, well, we, we, you should boycott Kraft Mac and Cheese because they make tobacco. Of course, tobacco is not good for you, all that kind of stuff. That's the kind of world we live in. We are always going to fall short. We're always going to fall short. We're, we're always going to kind of miss the mark. Uh, e- even if we are really doing good. Like even if we are just letting God really guide us every step. You know, I, I just didn't, I haven't ordered palms this year. We're not going to have palms. And it's unrelated, but um, there, there's this whole thing about palm oil destroying parts of Africa. <laughs> you know, and you don't know about that stuff. Why would I know anything about that? Most of our palms don't come from Africa, but, you know, the idea, trying to figure out, okay, is that something we really need to do? Do we need to destroy, you know, how many palm branches for five minutes? on a Sunday. Is that really being a good steward of creation? But it's hard. It's hard to understand for most people why they need forgiveness. Why do they need forgiveness? And I remember before I came to Christ, before I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, before my conversion, second birth, new life, all that. I certainly didn't think I needed forgiveness. I was a pretty good person, I thought. I wasn't. I was a jerk a lot of the time. I still am quite a few you know, days of the year. But worse, it's hard to imagine, but worse back then. Selfish, self-centered. Did some terrible things. Mean things. Cruel things. You know, I, I do have a way with words, and you can hurt people with words if you do have a way with them. And then this this crazy thing happened where I began to trust people and I I started to have these wonderful friends and I started to open up in ways that I never had before. And one of my friends really hurt me because that's that's why I'd never really opened up to people because that's what happens when you open up to people, right? They they make mistakes. (laughs) And some of those mistakes. So I had a friend who who really hurt me and, and, and they came to me and they asked for forgiveness and it was in that moment that I, I really knew. Not, not that, I mean, this friend needed to ask for forgiveness. They needed me to forgive them. But in that moment, when, when everything in my world, everything in myself said, you know, I, I don't want to forgive. I want to be angry. I, I want to be hurtful. That's not how I, I was thinking. That's not how I was feeling. That's not how 
I was responding because God's grace was working in me. Uh, and God's grace was telling me to, to act something different, to do something different. And in that moment, what I realized, among many other things, was I needed forgiveness. That yes, my friend was asking for forgiveness. My friend had hurt me and everything else, but I, I was in no position to judge someone else. Because I had done a lot of things that had hurt this person and all of my friends and all of the people that I love. And that's hard to understand. And the only way really we can understand that is by the prompting of the Holy Spirit. We've already talked about that, but that's what we call prevenient grace. It is a grace that calls you to realize, you know what? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm missing the mark. Yeah, you know, I, I'm certainly committing some of these seven deadly sins. You know, yeah, I'm not quite living up to these virtues that God has in store for me. And even, even if I am doing all of that, I'm not doing everything I can. Sometimes I'm, I'm not quite listening. I'm, I'm getting caught up in this, that, and the other thing. And instead of doing that, what most of us do is we look for someone else who's worse. Right? We look for an enemy. Look for an enemy. Or we just say, I'll, I'll do better next time. Right? I don't need forgiveness. I'll just, I'll just do better. I'll just pull myself up by my bootstraps. Our president, President Trump, said that on the campaign trail. Somebody asked him about forgiveness. He was espousing Christian things, right? And somebody asked him about forgiveness, and he said, point blank, I don't need forgiveness. I just, you know, I just try to do better. And, and I think that's, that's what a lot of people think. They're missing the point. They're missing the mark, right? So who needs forgiveness? We all need forgiveness. It's a hard thing for us to convince someone else of, and that's not our job, thankfully. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit is who convicts. Our job is to bring people together, to bring them close to Christ, and hopefully they will hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit like I do. But there's another group of people, and God bless these people. Uh, some of them are Catholic, a Roman Catholic. Uh, it's just, they just grew up in that kind of, kind of uh, environment. Uh, they're people who, who ask this question, does God really forgive my sin? Does God really forgive my sin? Um, does God really forgive my sin? Does God really forgive me? The, the founder of our church, John Wesley, of the movement uh, many years ago, obviously, he knew that God died. He knew that Jesus Christ died for all people. And he knew that God forgave sins, but he didn't quite understand that God forgave his sin. And it wasn't until he accepted that that he had this moment where he was transformed, where his heart was strangely warmed, right? And he had the power of the Holy Spirit. He was a generator rated renewed. But some of us live in this, uh, this kind of upbringing. Uh, one of the ways, one of the issues a lot of people deal with is guilt. Another one is shame. But, but guilt, the difference between, at least in my opinion, from my psychological background, the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is, I've done something wrong. Right? Shame is, I am wrong. Uh, and, and that's a terrible thing, I think, especially when we are talking about children, raising children. Um, to say, you know, hey, you've done something I don't like is different than saying you're bad. Right? I, I've talked a few times here this series about the difference between sinning and being a sinner. 
If we start calling people sinners, that is their identity. And that's not who we were intended to be. That's not who we are. God intended us to be more than that. That's not our identity. God calls us children, sons and daughters. But there are people who live with this guilt and live with this shame and uh, live with other things. You know, you say, well, I, I didn't raise my children to be guilty or to be, you know, shameful, but then, you know, they have inadequacy issues. You can't win for losing a parenting, it seems, <clears throat> in the psycho- psychological world, at least. But there are people that just think, you know, God will not forgive me. God won't forgive me. What I've done is too bad. Again, you know, we, can, we can even tell them, you know, hey, there's this wonderful parable where this spoiled, rotten kid asked for his father's inheritance, right? Basically asked for his father to be dead and then took his money, wasted it all, and his father accepted him and the father is God, right? That's the point of the story. And you could even say that, but they... No, that not, not me. Not me. What I've done is too bad. I, I, I don't know why, but from a young age, I kind of had a fascination with um, addiction, especially uh, alcohol addiction, and worked in that field all through you know, junior high, worked with different groups, and high school worked with different groups, and college, I have a degree in that, actually. And uh, Even in the hospital, I, I worked as a chaplain, I worked with a lot of addicts. And it's hard, especially for addicts who are really really, really destroyed themselves. To realize, not only do, do I, I need to ask for forgiveness, but I need to be forgiven. I need to allow myself to be forgiven. I, I dealt with a lady who uh, literally drank herself to death. When I met her, she was in the hospital. She only had a couple days to live. Her, her blood alcohol level was just un, unworldly. Over, over 0.4, which is most people would be dead. You have to be pretty stone cold alcoholic to even get up that level. Liver was failing, obviously. Her body was falling apart. She was young. She was expecting her first grandchild to be born. And I sat in her hospital room and we had this uh, conversation. And she could not, could not come to a place. Not, not to ask for forgiveness, but, n- but not even to do that because she knew or she felt in her heart that she couldn't be forgiven. And she had destroyed her life, right? I mean, that's literally, you know, not a lot of us sin. <laughs> a lot of us do things that aren't good, but we don't really pay real hefty consequences for it. This is a person whose sin literally killed them. And she struggled to get to a point where that was even a possibility, and unfortunately... The next day she was gone. So I don't know how her story ends. There are people like that. And for those blessed people, we have to remind them that, you know what? The entire gospel is centered around Jesus forgiving people. Some pretty rough folks, too. I mean people who the Bible literally calls sinners because people in their community called them sinners. That was like their moniker, their identity. You know, their name badge said, hello, my name is Sinner. But Jesus worked with them, forgave them, you know, called them to repentance, called them to turn their lives around, but offered forgiveness, 
all the time. That's that whole thing that we read in Jesus in Luke. One of the last things that Jesus says to his disciples is, remember, the repentance and forgiveness of sins needs to be preached around the world, he says. Everyone needs to know that they can ask for forgiveness and be forgiven. Everyone needs to know that because deep inside of us there is this need to be forgiven. And even if you think you are the scum of the earth, even if you think you are the worst person, Jesus says, come to me. And he offers forgiveness. You know, I think of Judas. Not a friend, but guy in the Bible. Judas's story ends pretty abruptly. He takes his own life, depending on the version that you read in Luke, he just falls and stuff fly out. So it tends to exaggerate, in my opinion. But but classically he hung himself. And I just wonder. I don't think that was God's plan. And I think Judas was in this place where there was no way he was going to be forgiven because he killed or he was responsible for the whole process that led to the death of Jesus, who was his friend, his Lord, his Messiah, his rabbi. And so he hung himself. Maybe there was forgiveness after that, I don't know. But I want you to hear this, because some of us, we say, okay, yes, I'm forgiven, but then we're still guilty. We have this guilty, you know, oh, I'm just not good enough. We let that guilt weigh us down. Jesus talks about not only being free from sin, but freedom from the burden of guilt. And so there should not be guilty Christians. Right? There should be Christians who are freed from guilt. That's a hard thing I know to wrap your heads up. But yes, we make mistakes, but if we're true to who we are as disciples, we ask for forgiveness and we turn around. We get better. We let God work with us more and more and more each day until we start looking and acting and talking and thinking and doing like Christ. So who needs forgiveness? Everybody. Will God forgive my sins? Yes. Real easy answers. I don't know why I'm talking so much. Must I forgive others? Hmm. Well, this is also a real easy answer. Yes. In, in fact, Jesus says this. If you forgive men their trespasses, or if you forgive someone else their sin, your heavenly Father will forgive But, there's always a but. If you do not forgive someone else their sins, neither will your Father forgive your sins. That's kind of harsh, isn't it? What do you think Jesus was talking about? You think God is kind of vindictive? Like, well, you know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think about, um, like, in parenting, what that would look like. You know, well, child, if you know if you don't give your brother a cookie, I'm not going to give you a cookie. Right? Is that is that what we're talking about, God? I, I don't think so. 
I, I think it gets to a bigger point about forgiveness, and especially about forgiving other people. It's hard for us to accept forgiveness and be forgiven when we are holding our forgiveness in. I mean, that was my case. That's my story. If I had held on to anger and betrayal and all those feelings that came when someone close to me hurt me, I would not have accepted forgiveness. I would not have asked for forgiveness. It took me a willingness to forgive to truly be able to be forgiven and accept that forgiveness. And I think that's true. I mean, I think there's some beauty in it, and I think that's what Jesus is talking about. If you really want to be forgiven, this is something that you should do. If you really want to experience love, we talk about this all the time, right? Especially in uh, marriage counseling. If you want to be loved, what should you do? Love your spouse. You want your spouse to be nicer to you. I don't know where, how that applies to kids because they're kind of rotten regardless of the sense. But I suppose if I was nicer to my kids, they would be nicer to me. Seems underrated. I want to say something. Forgiving others does not justify their actions. Because some of us, you know, I was hurt in almost a trivial way. Not for a 20-year-old, but you know, in retrospect. Some of you myself included, have been hurt in some pretty big ways that ways that when we say, you know, just forgive and forget. You're never going to forget, are you? You know, you can't forget when someone was taken from you. You can't forget sexual assault. And abuse. Those things will live with you always. It will be part of you. But you still can forgive. And it's not saying this other person was right. It's not saying this other person is fine. Let them off the hook. There are consequences for doing things. People should live with those consequences. I, I heard a story. A young colleague uh, coming through the system gave this beautiful story. It was wonderful. I cried a little bit when I read it the first time. Uh, her church downtown Chicago, one day they were in worship, and all of a sudden they heard a smash. Uh, and, and this man who was very drunk, had come up to the church and destroyed one of the stained glass windows. Just, I mean, like punched it, right? Um, and, and they got the, the, you know, the police came and, you know, they were afraid this was like, you know, is this a like targeted kind of thing, right? The police came and the police said, no, this is just a troubled person and, you know, we don't think it was any kind of, you know, terrorist act or anything. Uh, and the church council met after church and, and they were asked if they wanted to press charges, and the church council decided unanimously, unanimously that they wouldn't press charges. And they asked to go check. It's that beautiful, you know? You're like, oh, that's wonderful. The church is good. Uh, but forgiveness doesn't mean getting away with murder, does it? Yes, they forgave that man, but this was a troubled man. Man, it takes even a drunk takes a lot of trouble in your heart to go up to a church and smash a church. There's something going on in that person. And so I don't know. Maybe they did the right thing, but maybe they should have pressed charges. Just because we forgive people does not mean we let them get away with murder. You know, if my one of my sons hits my other son, I can say, you know what? Let's forgive each other. You know, hug it out. All that kind of stuff. 
But that doesn't mean that everything's okay. It doesn't mean that it's okay to hit one another. Like, really working on that. It's not going so well with two boys. <laughs> right? There are still consequences. And we know that. And we should live into them. And we should take responsibility. If we do something terrible, we get drunk, get in a car, drive, hit someone, and kill someone, God will forgive us, yes. But you know what? We probably need to pay the dues for what we do. There's a process. It's not perfect. Believe me. So I, I just want to make that distinction. Just because I'm saying we need to forgive someone does not justify their actions. But we know. I mean, even, even outside of religion, even in the secular psychological community, it has been proven time and time again when we hold on to anger, resentment, when we withhold our forgiveness, it eats us a lot. It destroys us. And so forgiveness and the forgiveness of other people's sins is exceptionally important. Exceptionally important. You know, I think every day about when my boys grow up especially. And when they get to an age when they can comprehend as best as anyone can exactly what happened to put them in the place that they are. You know, the, the actual events that put them all in the situation. And a lot of kids in, in their situation, a lot of foster kids, a lot of kids who are adopted, all that kind of stuff, they have to deal with forgiveness. I mean, it's probably the, the thing that DCFS should be teaching more than anything else they don't because why would they? But it is so important because there's so many of these kids who are angry. Yes, a lot of them aren't even angry at their birth parents who are the people they should probably be angry at, but they're angry with the foster system. They're angry with the judge. They're angry with DCFS. They're angry with their caseworker. They're angry with their foster parents. And it does not end well. Never. You know, they develop radical attachment disorder. They end up getting back into the cycle. And they have a kid, and their kid gets taken away, right? And it's vicious. And I believe the answer to that, yes, is Jesus Christ, but the answer to that is forgiveness. If my sons get to a point where they can understand what happened to their sister, and they cannot forgive their mother, it's going to eat them alive not my thing to forgive. Somebody has said in the past, well, how can you forgive her? It's not my thing. She didn't hurt me. And I don't think Selena's holding any grudges. But someday my boys are going to have to deal with that. Just like all of us have to deal with that. And we can't truly live into be the kind of person who, yes, is hitting the mark, <laughs> but the kind of person God intends us to be. The kind of person Christ was and is. If we're holding on to him. So, long story short, why do we believe in the forgiveness of sins? Because it is good news. It is good news that, yes, you know, humanity has made a mess of a lot of things, 
Yes, we continue to make mistakes. I continue to make mistakes. I can't seem to get through a day without saying something that hurts my wife or getting angry at one of my boys. Or one of, no, not any of you. I love you all. <clears throat> right? And I love the system and I love my boss. She's great. <sighs> yeah. That's true. So I know, and that's the good news, that I can say, you know what, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. Can you forgive me? Please forgive me. That's why we come to the table every week. We should do it more than that. Just to remind us, you know what Jesus said? This cup, forgiveness of Do it. You'll be forgiven. Don't sin again. He also says that, right? And so, you know, to go over what we did. Who needs forgiveness? Everybody. Will God forgive you? Should you forgive others? And I want you to take that good news as we talk about the crucifixion next week and then we talk about the resurrection in Easter time. Amen. Good. Good. So with that in mind... Let us not only forgive, but let us pray for others as we pray our pastoral prayer, our prayer of the people. Excuse me. I will offer a petition. At the end of each petition, I will say, Lord, in your mercy, and you will respond. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we wait for you to come again into our midst. Sometimes we wait patiently. Sometimes not so patient. Always we are aware of how much our world needs you. We pray today for those in our community who need your healing and comfort. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for persons in leadership across our country that together we might make wise decisions. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for brothers and sisters around the world whose lives are torn apart by war. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for the saints who had witnessed to your love. Lord, in your mercy. We pray knowing that you are with us now and that you will strengthen us to keep us awake, to keep the faith, to keep working for the time when Christ will come again to surprise us anew with love and justice on earth. Lord, in your mercy. Amen. Let us now receive our tithes and offerings for the work of our ministry as we do. A couple announcements. Leadership team will meet after worship. Where? Is a good question. We'll see what Jeff can get into. But we will meet after Next week is Taste of New Life, so bring a dish to pass. Not next week, but two weeks, we have Paper Angel appointments. I ask that you continue. Many of us are doing a Lenten challenge to collect an item every day of Lent. There are 40, so 
to collect an item for the Paper Angel Closet every day of Lent and bring those on uh, the Saturday before Easter. That would be the 15th. I urge you to do that. Jennifer and I are so happy to announce that we finally have an adoption date for all three of the children. And that will be April 12th at 8.30 a.m. at the Juvenile Courthouse in Rockford, downtown, right off of State Street. Uh, so anybody is welcome to that event. We're having a brunch after that at Sherland. But we are also that Saturday having an open house from 3 to 5 here. And we are having a triple baptism at worship time. And we are going to have pizza at New Life following. So you can celebrate with us on Saturday if you uh, cannot be with us on that Wednesday of the adoption. So we are uh, thankful for all your prayers and all of your support in this uh, last five years. Been, uh, just, uh, it was just five years on the 30th that Selena came into care. So we thank you so much for all your love and support during that time. And I think that is all of our announcements for the time being. Let us move to our act of confession. Why do we do that? Because we all need forgiveness, right? We just talked about that for quite some time. Uh, so this is a way that we, as a church, can come together and not say, yes, I have fallen short. I have missed the mark. I have sinned. But we as a church, not just here at New Life, but globally, we are continuously missing. And certainly the church has many sins to confess over the time, but even today, there are things that we fail to do, fail to say, fail, fail to act as God is calling. So let us join together in this act of confession, knowing that forgiveness is always one step away. Okay. I have to read it from here. Your light has filled our lives but we have not shared it with others. Lord, have mercy with us. You have marked us as your own in baptism, but we have not lived as your faithful people. Christ, have mercy on us. You have called us to be a light to the nations, but we have hid that light under a bushel. Lord, have mercy on us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you now transform us so that we may live out our baptism as your new creation, forgiven and made whole by your matchless love in Jesus Christ our Lord. And the people said, thanks be to God. Amen. It is good to be forgiven. Sometimes we hit the pulpit. <clears throat> Literally missed my mark there. <clears throat> Those things keep me humble. Thank you. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Need to be reminded. We come to the table. Man, we've learned so much about this holy mystery called the Lord's Supper over the last six and a half years together, haven't we? But this wonderful truth that it's just ever-present in the Gospel, this wonderful good news. 
Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But there's this wonderful caveat, and you are forgiven. Throughout His ministry, you are forgiven. And so as He comes to the final week of His life, as He comes approaching the cross, uh, 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 being arrested, being tortured, being put on a mock trial, humiliated, eventually executed, gathers his friends around and he shares this wonderful gift with them and reaffirms. And then we'll see, yes, after he rose, he also did that too, but he reaffirms just you know hours before he's arrested that you will be forgiven. You will be forgiven. All people can be forgiven. All people, regardless of what they did. And I just, man, I just think, I mean, depending on, you know, the, the table kind of looked like a U, right? So there was two kind of things going out here in Jesus' table, right? And depending on how you understand it uh, and how you read, especially uh, the Gospel of John, Judas was sitting so close. So close to Jesus. And I just think, even even the, the horrible thing that Judas did, Jesus still offered him this and said, forgiveness. And I'm sure he meant it. So regardless of what we've done, regard, I mean, if Jesus was ready to forgive Judas, who betrayed him, in a pretty, pretty bad way, right? Isn't Jesus ready to forgive you? For whatever. And I just pray that, you know, if you still struggle with, hey, you know, I, do I really need forgiveness? Do I really need to be forgiven? That, that you would just come to the table and just open yourself and just ask God to just, just convict you. And yes, I know that's a bad word in terms of the legal system, right? But in, 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 a, in a positive way to say, you know what? Show me. Show me my sin. Show me where I have missed the mark. Help me understand. Help me get out of my own head, my own selfishness, my own justification, because we're good at justifying what we do. And allow me to see where, yes, I need some help. I need to be transformed. I need to be forgiven. So I just, I just leave that with you as you come to the table. I remind you on the night Jesus was betrayed that he took bread like this. Giving thanks to God, he gave it to his disciples and he said, Take this is my body this is broken for you do this remember after the meal he took the cup he gave thanks to God he gave it to his disciples and he said drink from this all of you for this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins do this in remembrance of Lord, in remembrance of these mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we just offer ourselves holy, living sacrifices in union with Christ's offering for us. Lord, I ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon all those gathered here and upon these gifts of bread and wine. Truly make them be for us your body, that we may be your body, the church, redeemed by your blood for this world and the next. Make us one as you are one until Christ comes again. We feast at his heavenly bank.
I remind you, at the United Methodist Church and here at New Life, we practice open table communion, which means you are welcome. Even if you haven't got the whole sin thing figured out, I think you're welcome. God's table, not mine. Even if you don't think you're good enough, you're especially welcome then. To affirm that, we use grape juice instead of wine, gluten-free bread. Use a common bread, receive a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. Please let the band come forward and then you'll be dismissed row by row. Feel free to fill out a prayer concern. Blue card, we'll pray for you. Light a candle, honor and memory, just to invite the Spirit into your life during this final part of worship. Remember your baptism. Remember that regeneration, renewal. We're going to be talking about that a lot here in the next couple of weeks. I ask my communion servers to come forward. And I remind you that this is Christ's body broken. So you may be Christ's body the church. This is the blood of Christ shed so that you may be forgiven and have new life. The table is set. Come and This has been a recording of New Life Ministry. Learn more about us at www.findnewlifeumc.org and connect with us through our newsletter, Facebook, or Twitter. If you like what you heard, like our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and share it with your friends. Also consider supporting our paper angel closet, which provides toiletries and personal care items to homeless and at-risk youth, foster families and children, the families of those diagnosed with cancer, refugee families, and families in need in our community. You can donate online or drop off items at New Life UMC, 8301 Mitchell Road, McChesney Park, Illinois, 61015. Worship is every Saturday night at 5.30 p.m. Until next week, live knowing that you are a beloved child of God. Challenge yourself to share that love with all those you meet wherever you go. And realize that with the power of the Holy Spirit in Christ's body of the church, you can make a difference in your community and the world. Amen.